that was okay. Well, because you know what? This morning I was up in my office, you know, going over my message and things, and I just this, you know, thought in my head, I really would like to go home and see my family, right? So it's been about three and a half years since, I mean, my two sisters came out last summer, but I think it's been three and a half, almost four years now since we've been home. So it'll be good to see my crazy brothers and my my honorary mom. And she knows I call her honorary, so anyway. Let's open up with our prayer, ready to receive God's word uh, into our heart today. Uh, so join me in this prayer. Is it there? Okay, together. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. So we're continuing our series in season bearing good fruit, and today we're talking about everyone's favorite, patience. So obviously from Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Nothing in the Torah stands against such things. So as I said, we're speaking about patience, although my family was in agreement, at least Abigail and Michael were saying that they like the word long-suffering much better because it really portrays the sense of what this word uh, means. So we are going to look at that. The Greek word used here is uh, makrothumia. I hopefully didn't virtue it too much there. And when we look at this word, it was not that common in non-biblical circles. We don't see a lot of usage of the word there. And we really come to understand its meaning when we look at the Septuagint. If you remember, the Septuagint is a Jewish translation of the Hebrew Bible into Greek before the time of Messiah because Greek was the language that was spoken. So these were Jewish writers who took the Hebrew scriptures and translated uh, them into Greek. So there's a little history lesson for you there. So anyway, they uh, trans, uh, when we look at this translation, we see that they took uh, the Hebrew word uh, in relationship to God that had to do with to delay his wrath. And they translated that Hebrew phrase into this Greek word, makrothumia. And although God experiences anger and we see him getting upset at different uh, things that happen throughout uh, the Tanakh, he also delays that anger. And delaying that anger creates this tension because of his mercy, so there's tension between his mercy and, and the anger that he has. And when God reveals his glory to Moshe in Shemot in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, he emphasizes this heart of patience uh, towards Israel and towards humanity. So uh, follow along with me. It says, Adonai passed before him and proclaimed, yud heh vav yud vav which is the personal name of God, which we won't pronounce, is God merciful and compassionate, slow to anger? That's the word for patience, slow to anger. Rich in grace and truth, showing grace. 
So Adonai is dealing with mankind and his patience becomes the standard by which you and I must operate in our relationships with one another. Obviously, when you talk about the word patience, there are different directions that this message could have gone. We have talked many times in uh, messages in the past about patiently waiting on the Lord and the whole sense behind that actually from the Greek word, uh, Hebrew word kavah, tikvah, hope and things. So this morning's message is not focusing on that, although that's a good topic. It really is focusing on patience that we need to have towards one another. Look at these verses here, and in fact, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Can you read this verse with me? Love is patient. Now let's read it like from our kishkas, like we really mm, got this verse, ready? Love is patient. Next verse, Elijah, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Read this with me. Be patient with everyone. Okay. I'm just prepping you for what's ahead. Let's try that again. Be patient with everyone. Yes, that includes that spouse sitting beside you or that child that is downstairs or your rabbi who's in front of you. Let's try that one more time. Be patient with everyone. Look what the writer of Michelet says. You don't have to read this. It says in chapter 19, verse 11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. And then in chapter 14, verse 29, it says a patient man has great understanding. Everyone look at me. What you are about to hear today is going to give you wisdom and it's going to give you understanding. That wisdom and understanding will enable you to walk in patience. However, if you didn't mean that prayer that we prayed at the beginning, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, and the will to obey, then this message is going to go in one ear and out the other. Just giving you a fair warning, okay? But this message is full of wisdom and understanding. And a wise man... A man with understanding will walk in patience. This is a fruit that is desperately, desperately needed in our lives today. And I had opportunity to apply my message even yesterday. Okay? So, being patient. So, what is it all about? Being patient means I am slow to express my anger. So, the essence of patience, as we saw in Shemot, Exodus 34, is intricately connected to anger. The reality is we all want to receive patience, but we're not always quick to give it to others. The book of Kohelet, called Ecclesiastics in English, chapter 7, verse 8 and 9 says, the end of something is better than its beginning, so the patient are better than the proud. Don't be quick to get angry, for only fools nurse anger. Some of us act very foolish because of anger that we will not release. And even if you have to get help to release it, however you have to do it, that anger makes you impatient. So one writer shared this story, which sort of portrays the anger that is abundant in our world uh, and that would seek to manifest itself in us. So he's a telling a story about a truck driver who sat down to eat at an all-night restaurant. And the waitress had just served him his meal when three guys came uh, rolling in on their Harleys, and they showed up, and they came in, 
and one grabbed his hamburger, another took a fistful of his french fries, and the third picked up his coffee and took a drink from it. So the truck driver responded with great patience. He simply got up, walk, uh, walked to the uh, cashier, checked out, paid his uh, bill, and uh, went out and got in his truck and drove away. So she returned to the three men who had just come in, and the, one of the bikers said to her, well, boy, he wasn't much of a man, was he? And she said, and he's not much of a driver either because he just ran over three motorcycles with his truck. I thought that was a funny story too. And the reality is that's what a lot of us feel inside towards people. On the LIE, you, you wanna, you, sometimes you want to wish you were in bumper cars, right? So you could just bump that person beside you. Unfortunately, anger is alive and well in our world today. A Gallup study from last year indicated that one in five Americans said they struggle with anger. They're walking around angry. But the scriptures encourage us as believers to be slow to anger. Yaakov, the book of Yaakov tells us that. That's God's characteristic, we read again in Shemot, he was slow to anger, and he encourages us in the same way, be slow to anger. So what is the key to not blowing up in anger? Well, I think one of the things is to slow down our emotions and our words. Not only are we told to be slow to anger, but that same scripture tells us be slow to speak. I find that when people react quickly to a situation that bothers them by immediately speaking their frustration in words, it leads to anger and it leads to lack of impatience. Just in my years of experience, just saying, that uh, that quick blurt it out, get it off your chest, uh, can really just get things going and uh, does not bring positive fruit into a relationship. Michelet Proverbs 14, 17 says, a quick-tempered man does foolish things. When we react in anger, we end up doing foolish things that we regret, that we have to apologize for, uh, and again, that anger is related to impatience. Michelet Proverbs 15, 18 says, a hot-tempered person starts a fight. A cool-tempered person stops them. So God wants us to control our anger, and we're going to do another message on self-control in, in general, which applies to anger, but to all areas of our life. But anger is a part of impatience, and God wants us to not be quick-fused about things. You know, uh, I don't know if it's because of the intensity of the society that we're in, and we're rushing, 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 you know, little things can, can bother, you know, people. I can see, I may see it in myself, I can see it in others, you know, uh, someone does something, I mean, accidents happen, a, a kid spills something on the, uh, on the floor and the mother goes ballistic at them. It was just an accident, right? But there's this, this tension that's in us, right, and that we just, have, don't have the patience that we really need to have with one another. And then besides this quick-tempered type of 
impatience that just explodes at people. On the other side of the coin, you know, two sides of the coin, there's this anger that, as Kohelet says, that some of us nurse, right? So we have that anger nursing it inside of us, and we are, you know, just adding to it, adding to it, adding to it, adding to it until eventually we are like the tom time bomb that finally explodes because we have been nursing, nursing that anger. And friends, neither of those scenarios are good. And neither of those scenarios help our relationship with other people, whether it's in our household, whether it's in the community of faith here, or whether it's on our job. God wants us to exercise patience, and to do that, we need to not walk around in anger. Too many of us walk around with a chip on our shoulders, just waiting for somebody to do something or say something we don't like so we can lay into them. And relationships suffer because of a lack of patience connected, connected to our, our anger issues. I want to tell you, no relationship can withstand being constantly under the pressure of impatience brought on by anger. So I'm telling you today, if anger is a big issue you have, you need to, to work on it. One of the best things is to get into the Word of God and meditate upon the scriptures we're talking about. If you need professional help, get professional help. You know, I have a list of counselors. Rebecca always feeds me new names to give to people. I've done research myself. There's nothing wrong if you need professional help. Bottom line is, we cannot afford to walk around in anger. God wants us to be patient. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. That's what needs to be cultivated in our lives. That's what will make our lives flourish and our relationships to be positive and to be blooming and flourishing as well. One minister shared this illustration about this concept of walking around. He says, one day you go home and you're angry. You're carrying this ship on your whole, chip on your shoulder, just waiting for someone to knock it off. Then your wife says something and you don't particularly appreciate it, and soon heated words are being exchanged. And re, uh, reality doesn't amount to much, but you're determined to get your way, and she's determined to get her way. So the argument continues. The sun goes down and nighttime comes, then in bed she faces her way and you face the other way, and you both make sure that you don't touch each other. The, the minister says, you know what is happening? The Bible says that you have opened up the door and said, Satan, come right on in. We'll make you welcome here because we are giving in to the spirit of anger. And it's not just between a husband and wife. It can happen here in the congregation. There are many times where that you have opportunity to get angry and annoyed at somebody else in the congregation. Trust me, I know that, right? It just We're all different people. We all have all different backgrounds. You know, and, but we have to be people who cultivate the fruit of patience, that we're not allowing ourselves to, to explode in anger and, and, you know, lash out at other people, but that we walk in the fruit of the Spirit, that we are like God. He was slow to anger and quick to be merciful. The second thing about patience is patient, patient, being patient means that I will forgive others. Yeshua tells this parable uh, in Matthew chapter 18. It's often titled the parable of the wicked servant because of the actions of this servant. But he comes to his master, verse 26 tells us, and, and he fell down before him and he said, be patient with me, he begged. 
and I will pay back everything. So this man had a debt that he owed to his master, and this debt was a huge debt. It was a, a large uh, amount that he owed, and he couldn't pay it. And so what does he ask for? He asked for mercy. Be patient, he begged. Be patient, he begged, and I'll pay you back. So what did his master do? It said, out of pity for him, the master let him go and forgave everything. Forgave what? Everything. Forgave what? Everything. So what does the servant do? A couple verses down, we see this servant who cried for patience reacting to a fellow servant who owed him a debt. And in comparison to the debt that this first servant owed to the master, this debt was minuscule. But what's his reaction? His fellow servant fell before him and begged. Same scenario. Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had him thrown in jail until he should repay the debt. This one who had just been the recipient of great patience in the forgiveness of the debt now turned to a fellow servant and refused to give what he had just been the recipient of. The master let the servant go, yet this man would not do the same for his fellow servant. Think about it. How often... Do we hold on to our anger and refuse to release forgiveness to other people in our lives? And that unforgiveness eats away at our souls, keeping both us and the other person in bondage. I was thinking about it. It must amaze God, who regularly, regularly, regularly forgives our mishaps, our mistakes, and yes, our sins. He wipes them away, gives us a fresh, clean slate. He never says, remember what you did last week, Carol? Or remember five years ago you did this? Remember when you were a teenager you did that? God never, ever does that to me. Does he do it to anyone else? No. And if you're hearing someone say that, I'm going to tell you right now to clarify, it's not God. Because God says, as far as the east, east, <laughs> that way, east is from the west, so far have I removed your sins from me. Okay? Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be what? White as snow. You get the picture, right? The forgiveness, the patience of God towards us. And I just have this sense that God stands in amazement when he looks down at me and you sometimes, and he sees our reluctance to extend the same forgiveness that we have been recipients of to other people in our lives. How many times do I have to forgive? That's a good question. Kepha had that same question. In fact, it was that question that prompted Yeshua to tell this story. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 18 and look at verse 21. Kepha came up to Yeshua and said, Rabbi, how often, 
Can my brother sin against me, and I have to forgive him? I'm not going to go into it right now, but there's a problem with even how I asked the question. Okay? How many times can my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him? As many as seven times? Is that good enough, Yeshua? No, 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 not seven times, answered Yeshua, but 70 times seven. Kepha thought he was being very generous in offering to forgive someone up to seven times, someone who often sinned against him. So Yeshua's response must have shocked him 490 times, seven times 70. And we've heard many messages and read about it. It's not just 490, so don't count. <laughs> Keep a little, you know, that's not the point of Yeshua. Yeshua's point is to be a forgiving person. I'm sure that you are probably thinking in your head right now, and I could hear Kepha's head thinking the same thing. Yeshua, you got to be kidding me. My brother, Andrew, he keeps making the same mistake over and over again. And you want me to forgive him, Yeshua? Why don't you tell Andrew to get his act together? See, I, that's going on in some of your heads. So there's a situation, there's a relationship where it's the same thing. See, that's what, that's what Kepha said. How, many, how often can my brother sin against me? How many times can they keep doing this and I have to keep forgiving them, Yeshua? Come on, Rabbi Carol, how many times? It's their problem. They need to take care of their issues. And when they take care of their issues, our relationship will be peachy keen. Look at me now. They take care of that issue, you're going to find a new one. Okay? Because your heart needs to release forgiveness. That's part of being patient. How many times have you and I made the same mistake And yet we go to God expecting that he will once again forgive us. Think of this past week. Did you make a mistake? Did you sin? Was it something you've done before? What do you want Adonai to do about it? If you're like me, I want him to forgive me. I want him to wipe my slate clean again. I want to make the, him make the crimson to be white as snow again. One article explaining this Greek word says, it is the capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. <coughs> Unforgiveness connects to anger because some of us that's in our heart. We want to retaliate because, gosh darn it, you're not going to keep wronging me. You're not going to do it again, okay? 
You know, do I have stupid written on my forehead? That's the attitude that some of us have. You ain't going to do it to me again, okay? See, that's not the heart of, of, of patience. The heart of patience, thank you, is that you will not retaliate when wrong has been done. Impatience, or as Abigail and Michael said, long-suffering enables us to bear injury without at once avenging ourselves. It is the ability to hold one's feeling in restraint or bear up under the oversights and wrongs afflicted by others without retaliating. It is manifest by the quality of forbearance under provocation. It is used of God's patience towards sinful man and of the attitude that believers are to display towards one another. Matthew chapter 10 verse 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. Could you read that with me? Freely you have freely give. I have freely been given the gift of eternal life. I have freely been given forgiveness from God. He tells me to freely give now to others, to give of what has been given to me. Patience is something that God exhibits over and over again to you, to me, to mankind. As his children, as those who are filled with the Ruach, this is a fruit, as I said earlier, that desperately needs to be cultivated. Patience, forgiveness. Friends, forgiveness is not optional. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not optional. Colossians 3.13 says, even as Messiah forgave you, so you also must do. An old saying said, harboring unforgiveness or bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I want to encourage you that forgiveness is a process, and I know that. And that, you know, I've given out a book in the past, The Beta Satan by John Bevere, which talks with the whole subject of forgiveness and of offense and about it's a process. And I realize that sometimes there have been hurts that are very, very deep. But you have to be committed to the process. And wherever you are in that process, that you're committed to continue until it is totally, totally released. Our former superintendent, George Ward, said the high cost of unforgiveness is despair, but the high cost of forgiveness is to restore. I want to encourage you that Adonai is all about restoration. Being patient and expressing that through forgiveness leads to restoration. When we lose our patience constantly because we are annoyed, and a lot of us get easily annoyed. In fact, I just think that's just... It's just amazing that the, as I'm preparing this message and I'm thinking about the world that we live in, I'm thinking about my own self, that, that so often it's the opposite of the fruit that comes out, right? There, people are annoyed about everything. And because of that, 
we're annoyed at the behavior attitude of other people, it leads to the impatience and unforgiveness. God is in the business of forgiveness, and he wants us to emulate him. Patience expressed in forgiveness brings freedom. George Wood also wrote this in an article I was reading by him. He said, if you can say, I feel a sense of freedom, I feel a weight has lifted, I feel a sense of strength, I feel cleansed and washed inside, I feel good about standing before God, the chances are very strong that you are not in a condition of unforgiveness against someone else. However, if you cannot say that, then you need to look and see perhaps there's unforgiveness. And like with the anger, you need to go through the process of releasing that so that patience can flow through you. Finally, I want to encourage us that being patient involves being gracious. Throughout this year, the concept of being gracious has been something that has been in the back of my mind. It's come up several times in our women's study. Uh, it came up in our trekking through the Torah study and, and even here in this message, being gracious towards other people. You know, some people, different ones have called me on the phone about situations they're in and I can hear myself several times this year encouraging different ones in the congregation you really need to be gracious towards that other person. Whether it's someone in the congregation, whether it's a family member, whether it's a work situation that they're talking about. Again, reading from this article explaining this Greek word, it says that impatience in the Greek is the spirit which bears insult and injury without bitterness and without complaint. It is a spirit which can suffer unpleasant people with graciousness, to be gracious, and without irritation. It also has to do with our reaction, not to circumstances, but to people that God allows or even sends into our life. Because of the new nature, you can be long-suffering with them, with those with whom you would otherwise not be because of the fruit of long-suffering, of patience. And then finally, it says, the believer who lives graciously does not go about looking for faults in others or trying to analyze their motives. I'm going to just pause here in the middle of this thing here. We've said this before. If you want to find a fault in anyone, you can do it. It wouldn't take you long to start listing out everything that's wrong with Rabbi Carroll. I know you're going to celebrate 25 years here, but you, I'm sure for every, 20, every year, you could come up with something that's not right about Rabbi Carol and Rabbi Michael. You could do that about your spouse. You could do that about your kids, about your teacher, about your coworker. Bottom line is you could always find something wrong with another person. But if you are a believer cultivating the fruit of patience, you're going to resist that temptation to find fault in the other people who God has placed in your life. Or trying to analyze, and their motive was the second part of that first sentence, you don't know my heart. Hello? And I don't know your heart. Goodness sake, we don't even know our own hearts half the time, right? The Bible says the heart is deceptive. You don't even know your own heart. So why do we think it's okay to assume motives of one another. And to be honest, when we're assuming motives about other people, we're not assuming good motives. Hello? It would be different if we did. 
if I always thought the best of my husband, that he always has the best motive. But no, when I'm assuming a motive about my husband, usually it's not a good motive. Oh, he must want me to get up and make him breakfast. Oh, he must want me to do it. Right? In other words, we're never assuming a good motive on the other person. I didn't make his breakfast today, sorry. But I did iron his clothes, so. Saturday morning routine. I shower, iron clothes, they get their own breakfast. The other days I make breakfast, because I don't iron clothes on the other days. So it says, the believer who lives graciously does not go about looking for faults in others or trying to analyze their motives. Instead, they try to think the best of others, say the best about others, and do their best for others. Well, that's a mouthful, right? They try to think the best of others, they try to say the best about others, they try to do their best for others. That's what should govern every single relationship that you and I are in. The best about that other person. The best. The best thing we can do is to accept people as they are and not try to analyze them and judge them, for often things are not as they seem to us. And in my encouraging this year in different situations that have been brought to me, I have often said, you don't know what that person is going through right now. You have no clue that perhaps that coworker got bad news that morning and you know their attitude that's coming out towards you has nothing to do with you but a situation that might be weighing on their mind. You have no idea. And so to cultivate patience and to be gracious towards other people is a good quality for us to have. Looking back at our verse in Shemot 34, we are told that God is not only slow to anger, but full of mercy and showing grace. Grace, grace, grace. Being patient means I am gracious to others. How do we do that? In our speech, Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation always can you say that word with me? Always be gracious. They're not always gracious. I got annoyed at my son yesterday because when I came home, the door was double locked and I had things in my hand and I couldn't get my keys and so I'm ringing the doorbell and comes and I yelled at him when I walked in the door. Now I apologize, but when I went upstairs to make my PowerPoint, this verse pops up and I'm like, God. Oh, Hey, God. So I went back down to Paul. He says, you already apologized, Mom. I said, I know, but my message, let my words be gracious. My words were not very gracious to you, Josiah. So I apologize again, okay, for being ungracious in my words. It says, let your conversation always be gracious. The words that you and I speak to one another too often are harsh. We attack other people in annoyance and in anger and in frustration. But the scriptures encourage us to do the opposite, to speak words that encourage and build up the other person. Ephesians 4.29, and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. Say la, pause, reflect on that. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. Some of you have a lot of words you need to take back into your mouth, okay? 
You know what mama always said when you kid? I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap, right? In Missouri, we wash. I knew that. At least I do. How do you say it? Wash, wash. Yeah, you wash. It's so awkward. Those hateful words should never cross your lips. Close your mouth, put a lock on it, step back. Don't let those ugly words come out. Because once the words have come out, you can't take them back. Yes, you apologize, and I had to apologize to my son yesterday. And he's very gracious, he's very forgiving. He's going to be a good husband one day. Not yet, but one day. Because <clears throat> he's very, very forgiving person. He really, really is. It gives a lot. You're married, Myrna. <laughs> but ugly words should not come out of our mouths. Hateful words should not come out of our mouths. And again, it's open stupid things. So what the door was locked, double locked, okay? All I had to do was set my stuff down and get my keys out, right? But we get annoyed at stupid little things. Most of the times, the heated fellowship, the ugly, hateful words that come out are not over big issues. Did you ever notice that? Cultivate patience. That's what God is looking for us to do. Let's finish this verse. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts. And when I read this translation of this, I thought of a nice little package, nicely wrapped with a bow on it. That's what our words should be to other people, beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Gracious words to build others up. We can be gracious in our actions. A gracious person, a gracious person prefers the other above himself. Romans 12.10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Philippians 2 tells us, let this mind be in you, which is in Messiah, who did not consider the, that he was a God. He left the glory of heaven and made himself into humanity's form. And we're told to have that same mind that we would prefer others over ourselves. That's what a gracious, patient person does. A gracious person makes others feel accepted even when they have blown it. just like God does for us. <clears throat> you think of the parable of the prodigal son, and, and obviously we, whenever you hear that, all of us have someone who comes to mind, and we think of that person who's so far away. And, uh, but the imagery of, of that father there, obviously representing God, our father, it's the same way he is to us. So many of us have not wandered far away 
like this prodigal did, but there we make mistakes, we sin. God is just as gracious towards us. How was he towards this prodigal son? It says, why he was afar off, the father was there waiting and saw him coming, right? And the same thing for us. God saw that I blew it and was not gracious in my words to my son yesterday. He wasn't up there like, okay, she blew it again. Let me give her a slap on her hands. No, he was graciously there waiting to receive me back and to extend forgiveness to me. We have to be the same with one another. It says in Ephesians 4.2, be patient with each other making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Wow. Making allowance for each other's fault. In other words, did you understand what he's telling us to do? Making allowance for the fault. Every one of us have faults. Every one of us have little quirks that could drive the other person crazy. But because of our love for one another, we're going to extend patience and we're going to make an allowance. So, you know, that the other person can do that quirky thing and we don't lose it, even if it's the 70th time or the 489th time that they've done it. We're still going to be gracious towards them. And a gracious person doesn't easily get offended. Michelet Proverbs 19.16 says, a prudent wise man overlooks an insult. Friends, graciousness shows concern for the other person and their needs. It allows one to demonstrate patience because it understands that the other person might be going through a difficult situation themselves and will seek to be understanding. Patience will not jump to conclusions or lash out at the other person or think it is the other person's fault. Instead, patients will seek to know the truth, will work with the other person to achieve a balance and compromise that will improve the relationship and bring restoration. I want to close with this verse here this morning, Colossians 1.11. This is Rav Shaul's prayer for the Kehila at Colossus, and it is my prayer for us this morning here at Beth Emanuel or those listening to the podcast. I pray that you will be continually strengthened with all the power that comes from his glorious might so that you will be able to persevere and be patient in any situation, in any situation. That is my prayer for each of us this morning. Let's rise to our feet. Father, we thank you for encouraging us today about this fruit of the Spirit called patience. And God, we know we've been told never pray for patience. But God, you called us to cultivate this fruit. And I pray that each one of us would take that to heart, that in this week we would seek to apply everything that we have heard today in our lives, in our relationships, in our home, at work, here in this community of faith, in our community at large, that we would seek to exemplify patience uh, towards other people, that we would not walk in anger, that we would not hold unforgiveness, and that we would be very, very gracious in how we treat other people. God, that as we walk in this fruit, others would be drawn to you in us, 
and that we could share the hope of glory that we have, Messiah Yeshua. And we give you glory and honor in your name. Amen.